Welcome to another edition of Out of the Box Sunday School. I'm your host, Takia Evans. Thanks for taking the time to listen in today. Our lesson is entitled, Loving by Serving. The Bible background is from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 35. The printed text is John chapter 13, verses 1 through 15. And then we skip over to 34 through 35. Some of you may have heard or even seen a popular cable television show called Dirty Jobs. In each episode of the show, the host finds himself embodied in the job circumstance that includes disgusting or dangerous elements. Situations have included sewer inspection, pig farmer, hot tar roofer, bat guano collector, roadkill uh, cleaner, and hazmat diver. There are many dirty jobs in our world. The circumstances of these jobs make a difference in our willingness to tackle them. But when we consider a job to be below us, we have to wonder, are we honoring Jesus? Jesus taught that our love for one another should be manifested in our service to others. In our lesson today, Jesus did not mind humbling himself and being obedient to the Father. So why shouldn't we have the same attitude? Jesus, the Son of God, decided to show his disciples the mark of a true servant by washing their feet. So beginning in John chapter 13, Jesus's public ministry has ended and he is alone with the twelve. Of the gospel writers, only John provides us with an intimate view of Jesus's private teaching and prayer during his last days before death. Jesus gathers his disciples to give them instruction on how to live with one another until he returns. Jesus encourages and instructs them regarding how to live as children of God in a world full of evil. He talks to them about serving one another and living in love and harmony. We'll begin our scripture reading with John chapter 13, and I'll start with verses 1 through 5. It was before Passover, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and return to the Father. He had always loved his followers in this world, and he loved them to the very end. Even before the evening meal started, the devil had made Judas, the son of Simeon, Iscariot, decide to betray Jesus. Jesus knew he had come from God, and he would go back to God. He also knew that the Father had given him complete power. So during the meal, Jesus got up, removed his outer garment, and wrapped the towel around his waist. He put some water into a large bowl. Then he began washing his disciples' feet and drying them with the towel he was wearing. So here, Jesus and disciples were ready to celebrate the Passover. And Jesus always knew when his hour would come, when he would die. The disciples would still be in the world of unbelieving people, and spiritually speaking, they had been removed from his grasp. And so Jesus not only loved his disciples while he was there with them, he also loved them until the end. And in other words, Jesus' love for his disciples was unending. When you think about it, they were not easy to love and neither are we, but Jesus looked beyond their flaws and, and gave himself to them fully. And then in verse two, Jesus gave us a glimpse into the spiritual battle being waged that evening. Satan seemed to think Jesus' death would be a victory. 
Satan did not understand how Jesus' sacrificial death would serve the father's purposes. Judas's act of betrayal pleased Satan, but God used that evil to further his own plan. And in verse three, it also explains Christ's divinity. John gives three insights into the state of mind Jesus uh, into the state of mind of Jesus at this critical time. First, Jesus was fully aware of his power and authority. He was in control of all things, including what would happen to him next. Nothing compelled him to act as a servant, but his own decision and desire. Second, Jesus was aware of his origin in God. John often presents Jesus this way as one on a mission from God. And third, Jesus was aware that he would return to the Father when all things were accomplished. He was ready and prepared for what lie ahead. So, without a word, Jesus rose from the table. He was probably causing probably causing every disciple present to wonder what he was doing. And keeping in mind that the participants at the meal were possibly on couches and in some semi-reclining position. So Jesus removes his outer clothing for what he was about to do was grimy work. Uh, foot washing was a dirty or filthy job. Think about it. Jerusalem was a hot and dusty city. People were uh, People wore sandal type shoes that allowed dirt in easily or walked around barefooted without any protection. And because they walked almost everywhere, people frequently stepped in mud and other undesirable debris on the streets and pathways. A good host would provide guests with a servant to wash their feet. So the foot washer was the lowest of the household servants who likely took no pleasure in, in this task. It was this dirty job that our Lord Jesus chose to illustrate what it meant to be a servant in his service. So now we come to verses six and I'll read through 11. But when he came to Simon Peter, this disciple asked, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, do you really know what I am doing? But later you will understand. You will never wash my feet. Peter replied, if I don't wash you, Jesus told him, you don't really belong to me. Peter said, Lord, don't wash just my feet, wash my hands and my head. Jesus answered, people who have bathed and are clean all over need to, need to wash their feet. And you, my disciples, are clean except for one of you. Jesus knew who would betray him. This is why he said, except for one of you. And here, the washing proceeded one at a time, perhaps in silent embarrassment from the disciples. And then Jesus was, you know, Jesus was their esteemed Lord, their master and their teacher. And such an honored person should never be expected to wash feet. Now, Simon Peter may have been the last in line to get his feet washed. And perhaps he was the one that broke the silence and protest. It was not that Peter's feet did not need washing, but that it was demeaning for Jesus to do so. And Peter didn't, did not intend to allow it to happen. Jesus's response to Peter's refusal was somewhat cryptic, implying that there was more to the situation than Peter understood. However, for now, Peter needed to accept by faith and the importance of Jesus's act of servitude. 
Sometime in the future, Peter would understand that Jesus washed his disciples' feet in order to illustrate spiritual washing and the cleansing of the soul from the pollution of sin. Although Jesus had just promised Peter that he would have a more complete understanding in the future, Peter categorically said to Jesus, thou shalt never wash my feet. All Peter could think about was how socially improper it was for Jesus to wash his feet. It's interesting that Peter was humble enough to realize that his Lord should not be serving him, but was also proud enough to tell Jesus what he could not do. And Jesus' response to Peter warns that Peter's refusal would mean that he cut himself off from Jesus and his blessings. So Jesus connected the meaning of this foot washing to his mission of cleansing souls. In response to Jesus' mild rebuke, Simon Peter quickly did an about face. Now he wanted Jesus to not only wash his feet, but also my hands and my head, meaning this entire, his entire body. So Jesus had to correct Peter's zeal by saying that one who is fully washed does not need to have a second bath, but only to wash his feet. This is really saying that one who comes to faith is covered by the cleansing blood of Jesus is spiritually clean. They are counted innocent in the eyes of God. So symbolically, we are saved from our sins, which is the bath, but still commit sins, which are our dirty feet. We all need a repeated washing of our spiritual feet. So this process is often referred to as sanctification, the ongoing process of learning through the Holy Spirit and growing in our relationship with Christ. And in verse 11, Jesus knew that not everyone in the room would have the spiritual bath. Judas might have sat there quietly while the master washed his filthy feet, but his heart was set on doing Satan's will, giving himself no hope of spiritual cleansing. Now we're at verse 12 through 15. After Jesus had washed the disciples' feet and had put his outer garment back on, he sat down again. Then he said, do you understand what I've done? You call me your teacher and Lord, you should, and you should, because this is who I am. And if your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you should do the same for each other. I have set the example and you should do for each other exactly what I have done for you. So after washing their feet, Jesus proceeds to teach the application of this service and the implementation of his action. Jesus then asks a question, which is rhetorical, shown by the fact that he went straight into explanation without waiting for any answers. To answer his own question, Jesus appeals to his relationship with them and reminds them of that Lord and servant relationship. They call him their master and Lord. His service to them did not change his authority over them. In verse 14, Jesus was saying to the disciple that as your Lord and master, go back to in reference verse 13, since I have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. So as their Lord and teacher, the disciples were to follow the example Jesus has set. Jesus had washed their feet, so they ought to do the same to one another. The Lord had temporarily given up his desire or deserved honor 
taking on the role of a servant and wash their feet. If they should ever wonder how low to stoop in serving others, all they had to do was remember what he had done for them that evening. Jesus had brought to life what he had often taught them about humble service. Now, Jesus clearly explains what he had done to them. He described it as an example, something to be copied. And some scholars have taken this verse literally, thinking that Jesus was teaching that foot washing was to be instituted as a standing ordinance in the church. They believe that Christians should, in a solemn religious ceremony, wash one another's feet as a token of their humble love for one another. But undoubtedly in this verse, Jesus didn't mean for his act of foot washing to be taken literally, but figuratively. Jesus' symbol of washing the disciples' feet was designed to teach us at least two things. First, it was to teach us humility. As believers, we must learn from my master to be meek and lowly in heart and to conduct ourselves with all humility. And then second, Jesus' act teaches us to surrender to servanthood. To wash one another's feet means to stoop to the lowest positions of love for the good and benefit of one another. And then now we come to the final two verses of our lesson. And they read, but I am giving you a new command. You must love each other just as I have loved you. If you love each other, everyone will know that you are my disciples. So a few verses later, here Jesus framed the foot washing lesson in a different way. He gave the command for his disciples to love, a command with important qualifications. First, this love is to be mutual. His disciples should form a community where every member is loved by every other member without exception. Second, Jesus pointed to his own example of service as the best way to understand his love. Mutual love might include or involve some short-term tasks such as cleansing feet, but for Jesus, it extended to giving up his life for those he loved. In the final verse, Jesus said that showing love to one another is the Christian's badge that identifies them as my disciples. When we love others like Jesus loves us sacrificially and humbly, it declares to the world that we are Jesus's disciples. Loving others is our badge, our sign, our in indication or our identification card to the world that separates us from the world. As humans, it's natural for us to want to be served by others. We can easily become filled with delusions of our own importance. In this lesson, we have been reminded that Jesus expects us to humble ourselves and serve others, no matter how dirty the job is. Jesus, the one the disciples readily conceded to be Lord and Master, took off his outer clothing and washed their feet. The lesson from his example is inescapable. In our world, we are told that we should be assertive. We are reminded of our rights and how we should demand them. As a person's value is often measured in terms of the service he or she can extract from others, but Jesus teaches us the opposite. Those who are truly the greatest are those who are the greatest servers. I had to ask, 
Is your whole body clean, but you still have dirty feet from pride and lack of love? Is your heart, your inner being truly clean? Washing your feet or your hands will not clean your heart. When you think about it, no doctor prescribes hand washing for heart disease. Jesus does not seek people with hard, dirty spirits who have immaculate personal hygiene. He wants those with clean hands and a pure heart. Jesus bids us to take action. As we serve others, we follow Jesus. When we humble ourselves, our hearts are changed. Loving service will help our hearts stay clean. It is important that we serve others. We must follow Christ's example of humility, the foot washing principle. Let's start taking steps to demonstrate humility in the relationships that we currently have with others. I beg of you and I ask of you to do just that. This is Takia Evans. Be blessed, take care of one another, and thanks for tuning in to Out of the Box Sunday School and talk to you next week.